This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pets. The Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, the triumph of Superman and Batman over Herbert Hawkins is short-lived, as the ace of Scotland Yard once again finds proof of Clark Kent's double identity within his easy reach. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say it, do you know the answer to this one? When does a bullseye give you the glad eye? Well, if you're sharp, you'll answer when it's a blueberry bullseye. That's this week's pet dish of the week, you know, and it sure is a bang-up breakfast treat. Here's how you set up your target. Pour your serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, into your bowl as usual. Heap a mound of chilled fresh blueberries dead to center. Add milk and sugar, and then fire away at your blueberry bullseye. And believe me, gang, here's a combination that's mighty fair game. Why, those crisp tender flakes of Pep play rings around the berries. Pep's just chock full of sunshine flavor and golden toasted goodness. So no matter how you serve it, Pep hits the spot. Makes such a hit with your morning appetite that, well, you want to dig in and finish off every delicious spoonful. That's the right idea, particularly nowadays, you know, because you don't want to waste cereal when we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls across the seas. Keep that in mind when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Make it your job to see that it's not wasted. Remember to handle the package carefully if you pour your own Pep and polish off every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep an eye on your younger brothers and sisters, too. Make sure to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. After many years of research which convinced him that Clark Kent and Superman were one and the same person, Herbert Cawkins, Scotland Yard's most celebrated detective, came to the United States to prove his theory. When Kent managed to escape from several traps without revealing his double identity, Cawkins pretended to admit defeat and said he was returning to England by clipper plane that night. But when Kent and his friend Bruce Wayne, who was rarely the famous Batman, arrived at the airport, they found that the detective was not among the clipper passengers. Uneasy, they went to Kent's apartment. But just as Kent was about to unlock his door, his X-ray vision perceived that Cawkins was in his bedroom. As we continue now in the corridor outside the apartment, Kent gasped. Great Scott. I'm sunk, Bruce. What do you mean, Clark? There's something in my apartment that will reveal my double identity beyond any question. And Hawkins is reaching for it right now. Oh, great Lucifer. Got to stop him. Well, what are you rattling the doorknob for? Quiet. 
Open the door and we'll stop him fast Keep enough. Keep voice down. Ah, that worked. He's coming out of the bedroom. Now he's stopping to listen. I don't get this. What a... Shh, don't let him hear you. He was just about to press the trick panel release. What trick panel? In my bedroom wall, there's a tiny closet behind it where I keep an extra Superman costume Uh-oh. and a letter addressed to Perry White to be opened in the event of my death. It tells all... Wait a minute. Going back into the bedroom now. Probably decided to whoever tried the door has gone on. Well, what are we waiting for? Open the door and stop him before he finds that secret closet. Oh, no, not yet. I've got to think. Are you out of your mind, Clark? If he finds your costume in the letter, he'll know you're a Superman. Yes, I know, but We've I... got to grab him and heave him out of there before he does find No, him. Bruce, no. You mean you're just going to give up? Oh, of course not. I can't be half as useful to humanity if my double identity is revealed. You know that. Sure. Then what are we... i to convince Calkins once and for all that he's mistaken. Make him believe I'm not Superman. And I think this is my opportunity. Well, how do you feel for that? I... Oh, he's found... What? No. Now he's trying the panel below the trick one. Clark, don't do that to me. Sorry. Now, look, Bruce, I've got a plan. It's a pretty desperate one, but it just might work if you'll help me. Oh, you know I will. Thanks. There's no time to explain now, but here's what I want you to do. Keep Calkins in the apartment, in the living room, though, for 30 minutes. I'll keep him there. Count on that. Swell. But remember, you've got to do it cleverly. No stuff. Well, what if he puts up a fight? Talk him out of it. Tell him... Well, tell him you're a friend from out of town who's spending the night here or something like that. Anything to keep him from being too suspicious. Check. And what happens? At the end of 30 minutes, get out and leave him there. I get it. But what are you going to be doing meanwhile? I... Uh-oh. He's got his hand in the trick panel. Here, here's the key. Quick, get in there and stop him. Right. Remember, keep him out of the bedroom for 30 minutes and then leave. Check. <laughs> Bruce Wayne steps into the apartment. Clark Kent swiftly resumes his true identity of Superman, leaps through the open corridor window, and sweeps around the building to his own sixth-floor bedroom window. Peering in cautiously, he finds the room empty, the door closed. Softly, he raises the window, steps in. From the living room come the indistinguishable voices of Bruce Wayne and Herbert Hawkins. Quickly, making not a sound, Superman moves to a certain panel in the wall, notices it is slightly ajar. He pushes it, and it opens on a noiseless hinge, revealing a tiny closet-like chamber in which lies the familiar red cape and blue costume with a large letter S on the front of it. Under the costume is an envelope, heavily sealed with wax. Superman thrusts the costume and the envelope beneath his cape, then takes a sheet of notepaper and a fountain pen from a drawer at his desk. For a brief moment, he considers, then begins to write. And to my friends, James Olson and Lois Lane... Of the Metropolis Daily Planet. Swiftly, the man of steel covers the page with writing. Then, removing an envelope from the drawer, he addresses it. Carrying the paper and envelope, he returns to the secret closet and pushes the panel almost, but not quite shut. From the living room can still be heard the voices of Bruce Wayne and Herbert Coffins, but now raised as if in argument. Seemingly satisfied that his friend Batman is doing his job well, Superman walks noiselessly across the room to the open window, pauses to glance at the clock in his dresser. I've been here about five minutes. That leaves me 25 minutes for the most important job of my life. If only Bruce manages to hold Calkins off. Now, this must be timed perfectly, so here goes. Out and away! <laughs> Leaping out into the night sky, Superman takes upward like a rocket. Up, up, up he zooms, up toward the pale moon and the cold, distant stars, bound for only he knows where. Meanwhile, far below in his apartment, Bruce Wayne and Herbert Calkins, the square-set, square-faced Scotland Yard detective, regard each other warily. Well, frankly, Mr. Calkins, when I walked in and saw you in Clark's bedroom, I thought you were a burglar. <laughs> Sorry to have given you a turn, Mr. Wayne. But since I've been in the States, Clark and I have become, well, practically inseparable. Even intimate friends, you might say. Yeah, so did Jim. When I saw him at the newspaper club earlier this evening, he didn't say anything about expecting you tonight. He didn't? No. 
course, he was in an awful hurry to catch that Albany train. In the rush, he may have forgotten to mention it. Uh, Kent went to Albany, you say? Oh, yeah. On a story. Didn't you know? Well, he, uh, he mentioned he might go, come to think of it. But I don't believe he was certain about the trip, you know. Oh, I see. Well, he doesn't expect to be back much before early morning. And since I usually stay here when I'm in Metropolis, especially since it's practically impossible to get a hotel accommodation, Clark just gave me his key and rushed off to the station. Without even bothering to phone me to expect company. <laughs> I say, Kent's a rather strange chap, eh? What, Mr. Wayne? Well, not at all. I think he's a grand guy. Oh, of course, rather. Uh, I, I, I was just referring to... Uh... Oh, well, let it pass. Oh... I say it's quite late, and I'm frightfully drowsy. Would you mind awfully if I turned in? Turned in? You mean you're staying here? Quite. I uh, thought I'd take the bedroom, and you'd take the studio couch in here. Uh, well, I... Oh, it's really quite comfortable. I'd offer you the bedroom, but I have a touch of lumbago. I'm not quite as young as I used to be, you know. I see. <laughs> well, I'll be turning in there, old Sam. Good night. Oh, just a minute. Yes? I wonder if you'd mind staying up with me just a little longer, Mr. Calkins. Well... Look, here's a chessboard. We can play chess or checkers if you prefer. What do you say? Well, That's well, fine. I... What'll it be? Chess or checkers? Uh, the checkers takes less well, time. Well, it is. Here they are. Which do you have, red or black? Oh, I don't want... I'll take but... red, then. We'll play three games. Whoever takes two games is the winner. Okay? Oh, I couldn't possibly remain awake for three games, old top. Oh, we can easily play three games in, say, 25 minutes? Oh, come now, old chap. Let's get one game over with quickly before my eyes shut up on me completely. <laughs> Desperately conscious that he must somehow keep the shrewd detective away from Superman's bedroom for almost 25 minutes, while the Man of Steel is away in his mysterious mission, Bruce Wayne begins a checker game with Herbert Calkins. Pretending to think deeply and taking a long time between moves, Bruce Wayne, who is actually Batman, is trying to make his checker game with Herbert Calkins last for 25 minutes to fulfill the time limit set by Superman for the execution of his mysterious mission. But after 10 minutes, the detective, in sleepiness, has become impatient. I say, Mr. Wayne, you're the slowest player I've ever seen. Yes, I am pretty slow, I guess. I I like to think out my moves. Ah, well, if we must finish the game, I'll need a spot of tea by Joe. Oh, that's a good idea. I can go for some tea myself. Clark has all the makings here. I'll, I'll boil the water. Uh, if you don't mind, old chap, I'll attend to it. No offense, you know, but you Americans really don't understand how to brew tea properly. I'll, I'll be back directly. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, it is good. Ah, let's see. Who, whose move was it? Uh, yours, I think. It usually is. Yeah. Let's see, then. Hmm. Gee, he's really first rate. Thanks, thanks. Your move, old boy. Oh, oh yes. What's it? Something wrong, old chap? Suddenly very sleepy. I... Hardly hold my head up. Really? I said, that's splendid. We both can go to bed. No. Corkins, what did you put in this tea? In the tea? Why, tea, of course, old boy. Drug me. That takes care of me, lad. Now to get back to that secret panel in the wall before Kent returns. I've an idea that in there's something most interesting. Stepping away from the table over which Bruce Wayne sprawls unconscious, Herbert Calkins moves quickly to the closed door of Clark Kent's bedroom and opens it. The 30 minutes which Superman set for the execution of his mysterious mission have not quite expired. Has Superman failed? And is the secret of his double identity about to be revealed at last? 
to the astute and bulldog like detective. Tomorrow brings the thrilling and amazing climax of our story, fellows and girls. So be sure not to miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. The Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Rouses! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's pet. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, as we conclude our story with Herbert Hawkins, we shall learn whether or not Superman has been able to protect the most important secret of his life, the secret of his double identity. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, old man's son sure is on the beam these summer days. Why, he shows up at breakfast time almost as regular as clockwork. Sheds good old cheer all over the place. And gang, if you want to be on the beam too, latch on to Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. There's a smooth golden toasted treat that is a treat. Crisp, delicate flakes of real whole wheat. Full to the brim with slick, terrific flavor. It's a keen flavor. A delicious flavor. A come-on flavor that keeps your spoon coming right back for more. Makes you want to dig right in and, and polish the bowl clean as a whistle. And that's the right idea these days, you know. It's mighty important to get the good out of every bit of your breakfast dish of Kellogg's Pep. Because it's good for you. And because it's not smart to waste cereal, particularly nowadays. Because whole wheat is one of the cereal grains picked out to send to fellows and girls all over the world. Think of that, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Make sure there's no waste at your house. If you pour your own Pep, take time to pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep an eye on your younger brothers and sisters, too. Just make sure you eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. 
After much exercise of his wits and great powers to prevent Herbert Calkins, famous ex-Scotland Yard detective, from proving a conviction that Clark Kent and Superman are one, Kent grew tired of inventing ruse after ruse. Realizing that the shrewd, doggedly tenacious Englishman might perhaps accidentally expose him at some time or other, especially when he discovered Calkins about to find a secret closet in his bedroom in which was indisputable evidence of his double identity, Kent decided on a once-and-for-all desperate gamble. Enlisting the aid of Bruce Wayne, who was really the famous Batman, he sent him into the apartment with orders to keep Calkins away from the secret closet. Then, as Superman, he streaked away on a secret mission. In a last-ditch attempt to keep Calkins out of Kent's bedroom, Wayne fast-talked the detective into playing a game of checkers, during which the Englishman brewed and served tea. Suddenly, Wayne's eyes grew heavy. His head drooped. And before losing consciousness, he gasped. Calkins, the tea. What did you put in this tea? <laughs> Why, tea, of course, old boy. No, you, you drugged me. You... Oh, sorry, old man, but I had to do it, you know. Had an idea you were deliberately stalling me, and I must have a look at what's behind the secret panel in that bedroom before Kent returns. Uh, pleasant dreams. While his friend Bruce Wayne has so valiantly but vainly been trying to keep Herbert Calkins occupied, Clark Kent, Superman, has been literally streaking around the world, working faster than ever before in his career, holding a sheet of paper and an envelope in his hand. He went roughly first to the North Pole. Wow, it's cold. Bitter cold. Almost too cold even for me. If my idea works on Calkins, it'll be well worth it. Well, I guess this paper and envelope have been exposed to the sub-sub-zero temperature long enough. Now for a few minutes of the other extreme. Away! This sun over the Sahara Desert is hot enough to broil a steak and practically nothing flat. Sure is doing a job on this paper and envelope, too. Better give them a dose of humidity before they dry to dust. Let's see now. Where can I... Oh, yes. The jungle can do the trick fine. Away! Traveling with the speed of light, Superman, still clutching the all-important sheet of paper and an envelope, plummeted to the heart of the African jungle. After a short pause, he rocketed once again into the skies, headed eastward. Fighting a monsoon off the coast of India, he dove long into it, then finding his way out, headed back toward the California shore, and continued eastward toward Metropolis. Meanwhile, back in Kent's apartment, Herbert Calkins is making sure Bruce Wayne is fast asleep. I say, Wayne. Ah, dead to the world, poor chap. Now to continue investigating what's behind that secret panel in Kent's room. I've got an idea there's something most interesting in there. And if it's what I think it may be, I'll have Mr. Clark Kent dead to rights as Superman. Well, here we go. Stepping away from the table where Bruce Wayne lies sleeping heavily, Herbert Calkins moves swiftly to the closed door of Kent's room. At almost the same moment, Superman plummets out of the sky and in through his open bedroom window. Uh-oh, not a moment too soon. This calls for super speed and plenty of it and then some. Moving faster than the human eye can follow, Superman folds the sheet of paper into the envelope, then placing it in the tiny closet behind the secret panel. He flings himself out of the open window just as Calkins opens the door. Now to find that blue secret panel again. Here's the little button that controls it. Press it. So. Ah, it opens. Hello? An envelope. Let's see what's in it. To whom it may concern. I, Clark Kent, A Superman hiding on a ledge outside the window watches him. The former Scotland Yard ace detective slowly reads what has been written on the paper. Then, shaking his head, he replaces it in the secret closet, closes the panel, and leaves Kent's apartment. A short time later, Superman, again in his guise as Clark Kent, has succeeded in awakening his drugged friend. 
Imagine me, fat man, letting that gumshoe slip knockout drops into my tea under my very nose. Oh, relax, Bruce. You couldn't oh. help it. Besides, everything's worked out fine. Well, what do you mean? I think Mr. Calkins is now out of my hair for good, Bruce. Well, what makes you think so? Because of Clark Kent's will, which I made out this evening and placed in the secret closet just in time. A will bequeathing my few possessions to Jim, Lois, and Mr. White, and my library to Superman. To Superman? Right. If I were Superman, I would hardly leave my library to myself, would I? No, of course not. And I dated the will 1940, six years ago. That was long before I ever heard of friend Corkins. Oh, Clark, I thought you were smarter than that. Corkins is a top-notch detective. Well, he could tell from the condition of the ink and paper that the will wasn't made out six years ago. Ah, but it looks as if it were. You see, I exposed it to an aging process. What are you talking about? I exposed the will first to the freezing temperature of the North Pole, the hot and humid air of the African jungles, a monsoon I found off India, and to the dried baking heat of the Sahara Desert. Great Lucifer, all that and back here in time to plan for Corkins? in half an hour? Oh, I can move pretty fast when I have to. Oh, you sure can. <laughs> but how about Corkins? Was he fooled? Well, he certainly acted as if he were. I was watching him from outside the window and saw his eyes practically pop out of his head when he read it. Then he examined it for a long time, shaking his head all the while. Finally, he said, Curses by Jove, I was foiled. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> then he walked back into the living room, picked up his derby and umbrella, uh, derby, that is, <laughs> stepped over your unconscious leg. Oh, don't remind me of that. And walked out of my apartment and out of my life, I hope. Oh, Clark, I've got to hand it to you. <laughs> Say, if only I could have seen his face when he read that will. He was so <laughs> sure you were Superman. <laughs> if only you how right he is. <laughs> Well, all's well that ends well. Yeah. So, oh, excuse me, Bruce. That's my doorbell. Maybe it's Corkins come back to apologize. Oh, oh. Yes? You Mr. Kent? That's right. Special messenger service. I got this letter for you. Sign here, please. Oh, okay. Thank you. Good night, sir. Well, I wonder who this is from. <laughs> Maybe from Superman telling you to keep your old library. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Bruce, yeah? it's from Corkins. It is? Yes, listen. Uh, <clears throat> dear Mr. Kent, First off, I wish you'd convey my apologies to your friend, Mr. Wayne, for my rather hasty and unsportsmanlike conduct tonight. <laughs> Not a bad invitation. <laughs> Thanks. I might add, however, that the drug is entirely harmless. Uh, thanks for nothing. I must apologize, too, for all the inconvenience I caused you. But in 30 years at Scotland Yard, I have never failed to get my man, and my pride would not permit me to fail on my greatest case. Well, he failed this time. Thank heavens. Listen, now that my mission has been completed successfully... Successfully? Hey, that's funny. Now that my mission has been completed successfully, I am returning to England. Believe me, sir, your most respectful and devoted servant, Herbert Archibald Corkins. Clark, what does he mean by saying his mission is successfully completed? I don't know. I can't understand it, Bruce. Apparently that will gag did fool him after all. I, I was sure it did. Well, it couldn't have, though. Great Lucifer, what do we do now? If he publishes his book proving that you're a superman... No, no, he can't. He mustn't. Come on, Bruce. We've got to find Mr. Corkins and fast... Get into your Batman costume. Again, deeply alarmed, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne resume their identities of Superman and Batman and dash out to hunt for Calkins. Superman and Batman have trailed Herbert Calkins, the Scotland Yard detective, to his hotel, to the home of the British consul, to a restaurant, to a steamship representative at another hotel. And now, at 8 o'clock in the morning, once more in their guises of Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, have just arrived at a pier on the waterfront where a large steamer is preparing to hoist its anchor. At the foot of the gangplank, his derby hat squarely on his head, his rolled umbrella firmly in his hand, they find Mr. Herbert Calkins. I say it's jolly nice of you chaps to come down and see me off. Oh, never mind that, Mr. Calkins. Tell me what you meant in your letter about your case being successfully completed. Yes, what do you mean by successful? Oh, so it is. Everything is completely satisfactory. What? What do you mean? Well, I discovered to my other satisfaction that you are not Superman. Oh, well, you mean that... I mean that that successfully completed my case, by Joe. Oh, I said they're about to raise the bloody camp back. Cheerio, you chaps. Cheerio. If ever you're in London, you 
Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne wave glad farewell to Herbert Archibald Calkins, then walk off arm in arm, still laughing, to the nearest restaurant for breakfast. A short time later, still chuckling, Kent enters the strangely quiet city room of the Daily Planet. Stopped short as Beanie Martin, the copy boy, rushes at him. Hi, Beanie. Where are you rushing to? Well, I guess Mr. Kent will come all over for you. You've got to do something. What do you mean? What's wrong? We can't get in. The door is locked. Gee, well, I guess Mr. Kent... Can't get in where? What door? Mr. White's office. Holy smokes. Maybe he's being murdered or committing a murder or something. What? Yeah, we can't get in the office. You've got to do something, Mr. Kent. You just... Not on fast. Great, Scott. Come on, Beanie. Startled Clark Kent rushes across the long Daily Planet city room toward Ed and Perry White's office, outside which the entire Daily Planet editorial staff has gathered fearfully. What is happening? Something of tremendous importance is taking place in Editor White's office. Something which will have a profound effect on Superman and his friends and involve them in one of the most exciting adventures of their career. So don't miss tomorrow's episode, gang, when we begin a brand new and thrilling Superman story full of action, mystery, and suspense. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today we begin a new and exciting adventure for the Man of Steel. One that at the moment centers around the strangely locked door of Editor Perry White at the Daily Planet. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, any season is open season when it's a good breakfast you're gunning for, meaning breakfast with Kellogg's Pep. But this week's the special time to train your sights on a blueberry bullseye, because blueberry bullseye is this week's pep dish of the week, and it's the kind of tasty target you sure wouldn't want to miss. Now, look, here's a setup. You pour your regular serving of Kellogg's Pep into your bowl. Heap a mound of juicy, fresh blueberries or plunk in the center, and add cool milk and sugar. Then... Fire away at your blueberry bullseye, and have you hit on a surefire combination for smooth eating. Mm-mm. When you dig down through the juicy berries to those crisp tender flakes of Kellogg's Pep, what a treat. Why, Pep always comes through with smacking good golden flavor. So catchy, so sunny tasting that, well, you feel like smiling back at every luscious spoonful. Keeps your spoon busy till your bowl is clean, empty. And that's the way it should be, sure, because you don't want to waste cereal, especially nowadays when the cereal grains are going out to fellows and girls all over the world. So get hep to pep, gang. When Mom brings Kellogg's pep home from the grocers, see that it's not wasted. Pour it out carefully and finish off every bit you pour out. The right idea is eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now the adventures of Superman. 
secure in the feeling that all his troubles were over when Herbert Calkins, the Scotland Yard detective who came within an inch of revealing his true identity as Superman, returned to England satisfied that he was wrong, Clark Kent returned to the Daily Planet. There he was excitedly greeted with the startling news that something was happening to Perry White behind the locked door of the editor's office. As we continue now, the usual clatter of the city room is stilled as Kent walks hurriedly toward the worried group of Daily Planet employees gathered in front of White's office. Listen. Well, what's going on? I think we ought to knock on the door. Excuse me, Johnny. Let me through, please. Sure. Lois, what's going on here? Clark, I don't know. Sounds like an out down drag-off fight to me. Yes, I'm afraid the chief is in serious trouble. It's okay. Relax, all of you. Relax. Relax. Did you hear that, Clark? Don't worry. We'll have the door open in a minute. Chief. Chief, it's me. Kent, let me in. That won't get you anywhere, Kent. No, we've been trying that for the past ten minutes. Okay, then we'll do it another way. Look out. What's the meaning of this? Why, if I... Are you all right? I, of course I'm all right. What's the idea of breaking in my door? Don't you know that a closed door means privacy? Oh, How yes. dare you We come... were worried about Yeah, we you. thought you were in trouble. Well, I am. But that's no reason for this convention in front of my door. Now, go on. Back to work, all of you. We still got the paper to get out. Okay, like okay. okay. Sorry, we bowed. Come in here. What? Well, you just said... I said to come in here. Something pretty serious is happening, and you may as well get in on it right now. Now, one second, Chief. Before we go into that, there's a little matter of this heavy door to your office. Well, what about it? Well, several of the boys tried to force it before, but it wouldn't budge. And then Mr. Kent comes along. So and... what? What's so important about that? What's important? Now, if you think that makes him a superman, you your sake, Lois, didn't we just have enough of that with our friend Herbert Hawkins? Well, I was just. Oh, a drop little... it, drop it. Forget it. Sure. Stop wasting time. The whole world is practically coming apart from this very office. Well, what do you and want? you stand there gabbing about a broken door. Now close it, Kent, if it will close, and sit down. Yes, all right, sure. Now, Chief, what do you mean by the world's come... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't notice this gentleman sitting here. You didn't. The Chief was talking to himself, did you? No, Mr. Smith here is a very unobtrusive man, except when he opens his mouth. Miss Lane, Mr. Kent, meet Mr. Homer S. Smith. How do you the do? The devil do? himself in a blue serge suit. Why, Chief? I'm delighted to meet you, Miss Lane, and you, Mr. Kent. And I'll thank you to be more careful of your language, Mr. White. I didn't ask you to come here. You asked yourself. Now I'm telling you to get out. Look here, you can't speak to me that way. Why? Oh, I can't, eh? Why, you... Wait a minute, Chief. Chief. you hands no. on me. No, I won't. I won't dirty my hands on you, you, you snake. But unless you leave my office at once, I, I won't be responsible for what happened. Save your breath, Mr. White. I have no intention of leaving. No, no. Then I'll... Chief, control yourself. Let me go, Kent. Not until you pull yourself together. Let me go, I say. Oh, wait I'm a surprised at you, Chief. Why, I've never seen you act this way before. What's this all about, Mr. Smith? Nothing, really. It's simply that I came You'll here... You'll be quiet. To... I'll tell them. All right, all right. You can let me go now, Kent. I lost my head for a minute, but I'm all right now. You sure? Of course. Sorry I lost my temper, but nothing like this has ever happened to me before. Like what? That's what I'd like to know. Well, listen. This man Smith came in here a few minutes ago saying he'd been sent here by John Grayson, the publisher of the Daily Planet. I was sent here by Mr. Grayson. I don't believe Now, wait a minute. I showed you his letter. Where's the sign by it? I've known John W. Grayson for almost 25 years. He's not only my employer, but one of my closest friends. He wouldn't embarrass me by sending a uh, flunky in here to give me orders. To give... What? I don't understand. Exactly. And what orders? This fellow has the nerve, the, the unspeakable gall, to order me to withdraw the planet's support from the World Peace Federation. Why? Well, not only never... that, he tells me we've got to print an editorial every day on page one, no less, attacking the World Peace Federation. No. What kind of a joke is this? It's no joke, Mr. Kim. We're convinced the World Peace Federation is fundamentally wrong in... Listen to him. Wrong? How can anything be wrong when its primary purpose is to... To preserve peace by establishing mutual trust and understanding among all the nations of the world. Why, the Federation is our only hope for world well, peace. Of course it is. That's where we differ, my friends. Mr. Grayson and I, too, incidentally, believe it's impossible for nations of different languages and customs to understand oh, each other. It is not if we put our minds and hearts and to it. And that's what we've got to do, or sure as shooting there'll be another war. And when that comes, with its new type of atomic weapons, it'll be just too bad for all of us. Right, Chief. I don't I... agree. Now, wait just a moment, please. 
This is a free country, and everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but... Well, Mr. Smith says he's speaking for Mr. Grayson as well as for himself. I am? Baloney. John Grayson feels the same way about the World Peace Federation as I do. He told me so a hundred times. He even said so at our annual banquet last month, Chief, and, and when he laid the cornerstone for the Unity House gymnasium just a couple of weeks ago. That's right. He may have felt that way then, but he's changed his mind since. Rubbish. I don't intend to dispute the matter, Mr. White. You have Mr. Grayson's signed letter giving me full authority to determine editorial policy and all other policies on this newspaper. I know, but... May I see that letter, Chief? It's right here on my desk. Here, here it is. Let me see it, will you, Clark? Yeah, sure. It's on Mr. Grayson's own stationery. This will introduce Mr. Homer S. Smith, who will hereafter act as my personal representative with huh? full authority to determine all policy, editorial and otherwise, on the Daily Planet. Well, good heavens. Nothing indefinite about that, is there? Is this Grayson's signature, Chief? Yes, but I can't believe he ever wrote it. It can very easily be verified. Have you called Mr. Grayson about this, Chief? Well, I called his office and they told me he's not in. I don't understand it. That's strange. It's more than strange, Lois. It's serious. Chief, you and I are going to find Mr. Grayson, wherever he is, and have a little talk with him. Come on. You say you did appoint Homer Smith as your personal representative on the Daily Planet, Mr. Grayson? That's right, Kent. With full authority to determine all policy? Correct. I I can't believe it. You're kidding. I'm sorry. I had to put someone in over your head, Terry, but... Well, I haven't liked the way things have been going on the paper. You never told me that. I, uh, I, I, I know, but, uh, well, I, I didn't see any reason for talking it over. You're, uh, you're rather set in your ways, you know. No, I am, eh? And so now Just you... Just a minute, Chief. You stay out of this, Kent. Our circulation is at an all-time high, isn't it, John? Why, uh, And we yes. got the international prize for outstanding and partial reporting of the news for the fifth straight year, didn't we? Well, I, I, I guess we did. You guess we did. You know blame well we did. And you were so tickled about it, you wanted to give me another raise. Only I made you give it to my staff and said. And that was only three months ago. And now, now, you've got the nerve to tell me you don't like the way things are going. Well, I... Maybe Mr. Grayson means he doesn't like our editorial policy, Chief. Yes. That's right. That's right, Kent. Our editorial policy is the same as it's always been. There's no change, and you approved it, John. Well, yes, I know I did, but... Well, now, maybe Mr. Smith is right. Maybe Mr. Grayson has changed his mind about our policy. As, for example, our strong support of the World Peace Federation. How about it, Mr. Grayson? Yes, I I have changed my mind about that. What? After you've gone on record a hundred times as being in favor of it as the only means of preserving peace? Well, I can't change my mind, can't I? Not about this, you can. Now, wait a minute. You gave me the go-ahead on it, and you can't make me back down now. Oh, is that so? Well, you get this, Perry. I own the majority of stock on the planet and what I say goes. And I say that from here on in, you'll take orders from Homer Smith on all matters of policy. Now, is that clear? Now, wait a minute. Wait I'm a minute. sorry, but I'm too busy to discuss it any longer. Good day, Jack. Come on, Chief. Oh, no, no. Now, you listen to me, John Please, Grayson. Chief. We've been friends for a long time. And if you think you can push me around, you've got another thing coming. I said I don't care to discuss this anymore, Perry. I don't care what you said. Chief, I will... Chief. Come on, will you? I think I Let's understand. Let go of my it. arm, Kent. Let go. I'm going to tell this to the turncoat a thing or two. Come on, I said I've got something to tell you. I don't want to hear you. I want Will to tell you. Will you come along? You're just wasting your breath. I understand this and you don't. You understand what? Go outside and I'll tell you. That's better. Goodbye, Mr. Grayson. Almost forcibly, Clark Kent leads Perry White from John W. Grayson's library. What is in Kent's mind? Outside the great stone house of John W. Grayson, millionaire publisher of the Metropolis Daily Planet, editor Perry White is fuming with rage. Why did you drive me away, I wanted to give that hypocritical Uncle Grayson a piece of my mind. Well, it wouldn't do any good, Chief. He's too scared. Scared? Scared of what? I don't know. But in all my life, I've never seen a man as scared as Grayson. 
Didn't you notice his eyes and the way his hands and mouth kept twitching? No, but... Oh, you're crazy, Sam. You're crazy. Grayson was never scared of anything. Well, he's scared now, Chief. Scared half out of his wits. And I'm positive the reason for his fear is tied up with what he did today. What do you mean? His change of heart on the World Peace Federation. And his appointing Homer Smith to run the Daily Planet. There's something strange going on, Chief. Something strange and evil. And we've got to find out what it is. You're right, Clark. Something strange and evil is going on. A great secret menace which will try all your great powers. And which may prove too much for even you, Superman. Unless you act quickly. What is the secret menace which Clark Kent says has frightened millionaire John Grayson half out of his wits? And what will happen at the Daily Planet? Tomorrow, the secret menace strikes. So don't fail to be with us. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Perry White of the Daily Planet is a worried man as he finds his publisher, John J. Grayson, strangely adamant in his decision to withdraw support from the World Peace Federation. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Hey, tomorrow morning, if you want to feel happy about the whole idea of a super start of breakfast, cast your eyes on that bowl of Kellogg's Pep. There's a fetching dish if ever there was one. Every tender crisp flake is all golden and toasted. Piled up in your bowl, they make a sight that's mighty easy on the eyes, believe me. And so easy to take. Why, Kellogg's Pep is called the Sunshine Cereal. It's crammed full of sparkling sunshine flavor that gives your appetite the go-ahead every time. Almost coaxes you to eat. Kellogg's Pep is a winner for nutrition, too. Gives you full whole wheat nourishment. Plus, your mom will tell you that. So, if you're Hep Gang, you'll want to polish off every last spoonful of pep in your bowl. And say, another angle. Nowadays, the cereal grains are being sent to give that good grain nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. So you don't want to waste cereal. When Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, make it your job to see that there's no waste at your house. Handle the package carefully if you pour your own pep. And eat up every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Make it a habit to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. When John J. Grayson, millionaire publisher of the Daily Planet, suddenly and without warning appointed a man named Homer Smith to exercise full control over the paper, editor Perry White hit the ceiling. And when Smith's first act was to order White to withdraw the planet's support from the World Peace Federation and to attack it instead, Clark Kent and Lois Lane also hit the ceiling. Kent and White went to see publisher Grayson, who was strangely evasive, 
but insisted that Smith be obeyed without question. As we continue now, Kent and White are returning to the Daily Planet in a taxi cab. Listen. I've known John Grayson for 25 years, but I never suspected he was a hypocrite uh, and a dirty turncoat. I don't think he is, Chief. What? Didn't you hear him say he changed his mind about the Federation and wants us to attack it? He didn't tell us to attack it. Homer Smith did. Well, he's Grayson's stooge, isn't he? I'm not so sure about that. What are you talking about, Kent? Didn't Grayson just tell us that Smith is his personal representative on the Daily Planet and must be obeyed? Yes, but I don't think it's as simple as that, Chief. I've got a feeling something fishy behind Grayson's sudden change of heart about the World Peace Federation. Something he's afraid to tell us. Oh, you're letting your imagination run away with you, Kent. No, I'm not. Grayson fears something, and we've got to track down whatever he's afraid of. We don't have to do any such thing. I know what I'm going to do, and what you'll do, too, if you have an ounce of manhood in you. What? Well, I'll tell you. We're coming to the plan. I want you to round up Lois and Jim Olson and bring them to my office. I'll show Mr. Grayson where he gets off. Now, look. We've been backing the World Peace Federation because we believe it's the only way to avoid war. Right? Right. You bet. Now, John Grayson tells us to kick our beliefs and our conscience out of the window and attack the Federation. Well, I, for one, won't do it. Now, how about you? Oh, well, I I. Wait a minute. I want to... Right. Well, I'm going to write out my resignation right now. And if you, Kent, Lois, and Jim, have an ounce of self-respect, you'll do the same. I certainly will. So will I. I won't work for a paper that attacks the World Peace Federation. I want to live in a peaceful world. Bravo, Jim. Now, just a minute. You I won't think... any of you have to worry about new jobs. The Daily Blade's been trying to get me over there for years. Well, I'll take you all along with me. I know Tony Sloan will come with us, too, Chief. Yeah, and so will Harry Oldman. And Bill Burroughs will. Oh, look, please, listen. Good. Yeah. We'll take all our key people. Let Grayson and his stooge Holmesmith try to run the planet without us and see how fast they run it into the ground. It'll serve him right. That's what I say. Come on, Claude, let's sit down and... No, right no, right. no, wait a minute, please. You're all wrong. That isn't what we want. What, Clark, what do you mean, Clark? Look, the Daily Planet is the top paper in Metropolis and one of the best in the country. That's right. It's a great influence for justice, tolerance, and Americanism. We've got to keep it that well, way. How can we when Grayson puts a man like Homer Smith in here to run things? We've been backing the Peace Federation for all it's worth. And now Smith tells us to about face and attack it. That alone will ruin our reputation for honesty. Of course it will. Now, maybe we won't have to about face on the Federation. Oh, but we will. You heard what Smith said. Yes, and Grayson backed him up. I don't believe Mr. Grayson is backing Smith because he wants to. But because he has to. Huh? What's that, Clark? No, Kent's got some wild notion that Grayson's scared stiff of something or, or somebody. Oh? I'm sure he is. And that's the reason for the sudden changes around here. Mr. Grayson's always struck me as being a, a, a sincere, progressive American, but now he's afraid of something. If we can find out what it is... Well, you mean you think somebody's got a hold on him, Mr. Kent? Could be, Jim. Oh, poppycock. John Grayson's rich, powerful, and influential. He's not afraid of anything or anybody. I tell you, you're wrong, Chief. Dead wrong. You know, the more I think of it, the more I think Clark might be right. Yeah, me too. You're all crazy, I tell you. Grayson, Look, said... Chief, wait a minute now. You've given a good part of your life to the planet, haven't you? I certainly have. It was only a small paper when I came to work on it as a reporter. And now it's one of the great papers of the country you want to walk out on. What do you mean, want to? Do I have to get sentimental and say it breaks my heart to go? It's been my life for 20 years. And I, well, I've been pretty proud to see it grow up. That's why you've got to stay, Chief. We've all got to stay and fight. We can't let the planet fall into the hands of men like Homer Smith. I'm with you, Mr. Kent. So am I, Clark. Well, how about it, Chief? Well, I don't know. Hold it. Here comes Smith now. I expect people to knock before the end of my office, Smith. Sorry, White. But since I'm in charge here now, I hardly consider that necessary. Oh, you don't. Wait, wait. Quiet, Jim. I don't care, White. I made it very clear this morning I wanted the editorial I wrote, the one against the World Peace Federation, on the first page of today's planet. I've just seen the dummy. And the editorial isn't included. You bet it isn't, and it won't be. You realize, White, that you're deliberately disobeying my orders? Put it that way if you like. And also put your head in a bucket and soak it. Oh, Jim. Boy. Very well. I accept your resignation, Mr. White. 
You what? I said I accept your resignation from the Daily Planet. Take effect at once. Well, that's what you think. I've got a contract. I understand that you have, and that it still has ten months to run. But contracts can be paid off, you know. I'll instruct the cashier to draw a check for ten months' salary to your order. And I'll expect you to leave here for good. Now, wait. Well, you can't do that. If Mr. White goes, so do I. That's quite all right with me, Miss Lane. As a matter of fact, I think it might be an excellent idea of you, Mr. Kent, and you, Olson, that the plants employ also. As such friends of Mr. White, you might not be, uh, happy under a different regime. Good day, my friend. Well, fire. There goes your little plan, Kent. Maybe not, Chief. Well, you what just are you doing? Take it easy now. Wait a minute. We're not licked yet. Where do you keep your contract, Chief? In my safety deposit box at the bank. Why? There's something I just remembered. I want to see that contract to check it over. Come on to the bank with me. I thought I remembered you telling me about this clause in your contract, Chief. Here, read it. Right where my finger's pointing. Uh, let's see. Good Godfrey, I forgot all about that clause, Kent. It's been ten years since Grayson and I talked contract. We've just renewed automatically every year. I figured you'd forgotten. Oh, Kent, you're wonderful. So, Smith thinks he's got me over a barrel, eh? Let's go on back to the planet. And just watch his face when he gets a load of this. <laughs> that clause in my contract, Smith. Now, you see, it gives me undisputed authority to determine the editorial policy of the Daily Planet until the contract expires. Ten months from now. And I can't be bought off. Uh, uh, it does seem to give you that right, doesn't it? No seeming about it, brother. It does. Well, what have you got to say now? Uh, Grayson didn't tell me about this. Well, I'm telling you. And I'm adding what I said before. Go soak your head in a bucket. For the next ten months, I'm running the Daily Planet, and that means we're still on the side of the World Peace Federation. You're making a great mistake, White. I'm making a mistake? Yes. I'd really advise you to accept the ten-month salary in advance and resign. We'll save you a lot of trouble. Smith, you've got more brass than a brass monkey, and you're just about as bright. Get this. You can sit around here, if you like, as Mr. Grayson's flunky. But the next time you open your mouth about how I'm running this paper, out you go in your ear. You understand? We'll see about that, White. Good day, Mr. Smith. Good day. He and this contract. I'll show him. He's running the planet, is he? He's still on the side of the World Peace Federation, eh? Let's see about that. Hello? Joe? Yeah, who's this? Homer Smith. Oh, yeah, Mr. Smith. What's took him? I've got a little job for you. Job? Sure, what, Mr. Be on the southwest corner of Front and Main in 15 minutes. I'll pick you up in a cab. Front and Main, okay. Just me, Mr. Smith? Just you, at the moment. You'd better tell a couple of your boys to stand by. You may need them later. Replacing the phone, Homer Smith adjusts his eyeglasses, smooths his thick, mouse-colored hair, and reaches for his hat. At 7 o'clock that evening, Clark Kent and Lois Lane are growing impatient in the dining room of the Metropolis Hotel. Clark, and the chief and Jim were due here at six. Where do you suppose they are? Search me, Lois. Maybe you ought to call the office again. Well, just call the office. He says Mr. White and Jim left an hour ago. That's funny. The chief told us to be here promptly at six. He said it was important. I know. He wants to plan an even stronger support for the World Peace Federation. Oh, wait a minute. Here comes Jim. Oh, good. I was beginning to get worried. Hi, Jim. Hi. Where's the chief? Isn't he here? Does it look like he is? You went with him to his lawyer's office, didn't you, Jim? Oh, sure, but that was a long time ago. Well, then I went over to the vaults to leave his contract. Oh, 
where, where did he go? Oh, he got in a cab to come here. What? Are you sure? Of course I am. Cheapers. That was over an hour ago. Alarmed, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen look wildly about the fashionable restaurant, but see no sign of Editor Perry White. What has happened to him? Was Homer Smith's short telephone conversation responsible for the absence of Perry White? Who is the mysterious Homer Smith? And what is the terror which Clark Kent says grips John Grayson, millionaire publisher of the Daily Planet? One of the most exciting and dangerous adventures of his entire career faces Clark Kent, gang. So don't miss a single episode of our new story. Tune in Monday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's death. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Serial, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today's serious trouble is brewing at the Daily Planet. Trouble that has Clark Kent gravely worried as editor Perry White fails to keep an appointment with his... Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, did you know Kellogg's Pep is a wizard at magic? Yes, sir. Pep the Sunshine cereal has a magic touch that can transform breakfast into a wizard of a meal. And no sleight of hand needed. Because any way you look at it, Pep is a slick trick. Just pour out a serving of those crisp light flakes of whole wheat, top with cool milk and sugar, and get set to enjoy yourself. Pep is tender and crisp all at the same time. Crunchy and delicate as can be. 
Pep is full of light sunshine flavor, a come-on flavor that keeps your spoon coming right back for more. Yes, sir, Kellogg's Pep sure has the wonderful magic touch that puts breakfast on the beam every time. And Pep boosts your quota of nutrition, too. Gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. So you're on the right track if you polish off every tender crisp flake in your bowl. And say, gang, here's another angle. Nowadays, the cereal grains, like the whole wheat and Kellogg's Pep, are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. So it's not a good idea to waste cereal. Eat up every bit that you pour into your dish. That's a cinch, isn't it? Just be sure to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When John Grayson, millionaire publisher of the Daily Planet, appointed a stranger named Homer Smith to direct the policies of the paper, Smith's first move was to order Editor Perry White to withdraw the planet's support from the World Federation and to attack instead. Shocked, White, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen wanted to resign but were persuaded not to by Clark Kent, who said that Grayson was being coerced by some mysterious fear. When a clause was discovered in White's contract, giving him full authority to determine the planet's editorial policy, he gleefully defied Smith. Enraged, Smith made a private phone call, and that evening, White failed to keep an appointment with Kent and Lois. As we continue now in the dining room of the Metropolis Hotel, Jimmy has just joined Kent and Lois. Listen. I just talked to Poker at the Chief's house. He hasn't heard from him either. Oh, and Beanie says he didn't come back to the office after he left me. I called the newspaper club and he isn't there either. But he left word there that he could be reached here. Gosh, where do you suppose he is? Can't imagine, Jim. He, he might have been in an accident, Clark. Oh, that's not likely, Lois. The police would have notified the office. But something hadn't. must have happened to him. He wouldn't just keep us waiting here for an hour and a half and, and not even tell us. Yeah, I know, I know. Look, Jim, you, you say you saw him get into a cab? Uh-huh, when we left his lawyer's office. Yeah? He sent me over to the vaults to deposit his contract and said he'd meet me here at the hotel. He the cab in front of the Balsam building? Right. What kind of a cab was it? Do you remember? It was a Packard. One of those privately owned packs. Oh? You remember what the driver looks like? The driver? Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh... We're wasting time, Clark. I think we ought to get in touch with Inspector Henderson. Just a moment, Lois. Do you remember what the driver looked like, Jim? Yeah, sure. He was a little red-headed guy with a turned-up nose. Oh? I remember because he reminded me of Mickey Rooney. Good boy. All right, you and I'll go over there, Jim, and see Look, if we can... this is no time to play detective, Clark. We've got to get in touch with Inspector Henderson. All right, you do that, Lois. Then call the office again and call Poco. Leave word to call you here if they hear from the chief. But I'm going to headquarters. You are not. It's just possible that the chief was delayed and will turn up here, so someone has to stay. Oh, yes. Jim and I are going over to the Boston building and see if we can find that taxi driver. We'll contact you later. Come on, Jim. <laughs> Don't see the driver, huh, Jim? Oh, maybe he quit for the day, Mr. Kent. Well, that isn't likely. The chief got in his cab around 6 o'clock, and drivers on duty then usually work through the night. Oh, but why do you think the driver will come back to the Balsam building? Because you said his cab was parked waiting for a fare when you saw it. There's a hack sign at the curb there. Chances are this particular driver used this van. Oh, that's right. I didn't notice the sign. Uh-oh, cab just pulled in there. Come on, Jim. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, but that isn't the driver, Mr. Kent. I told you, he was a little red-headed guy. I know, but this man. might know something about it. Oh, uh, pardon me, buddy. Get in, Mac. Get in. Where do you want to go? Oh, you don't want to go anyplace. We just like some information, if you don't mind. Yeah, you... Can you beat it? Get a third guy in five minutes wanting information. Huh? One guy asked where the subway is, and I don't know if I can see his little dog, which is lost. And a dame asked me how she can go out to visit a rent for children in Metropolis Heights without taking a cab. That's very interesting, oh, but I'm... look, Mac, am I running a hack or an information bureau? That's what I want to know. Oh, oh, I see your point. Well, here... Hey, maybe this will pay you for your time in answering a question or two. Oh, well, what do you know? Five bucks. Hey, you're a right Joe, Mac. Fire away. What do you want to know? Ask me anything. Well, we're looking for a cab driver who was parked here a couple of hours ago at just about six o'clock. 
He drove an independently owned Packard cat. He's a little red-headed guy with a turned-up nose. It looks kind of like Mickey Rooney. Uh, I don't know Hacky. No Hacky looks like Mickey Rooney. You don't? Nah. I don't hardly know any Hackies. I just got separated from the Army, see? This is my first day driving a Hacky. Oh, sure. I see. Did you happen to be parked here around 6 this evening? Since you clock? Mm-hmm. No, no. I was taking a fare over to Marshall Square about that time. <laughs> Wacky old buddy. Let me tell you about him. I'm sorry, but we're in a hurry. Thanks very much, though. Nothing. You're welcome, Max. Come again anytime. Well, that was a washout. What do we do now, Mr. Kent? Keep waiting around to see if our driver shows up? No, I don't think so, Jim. We've been here an hour already. Anyway, I just thought of a surer way of locating him. Oh, how? I'll show you if necessary after we've talked to Lois. She might have heard from the chief by now. Gosh, I hope so. I'm getting awful worried. Right, come on. There's a drugstore on the corner. I'll call her from there. <laughs> Not yet, Lois. How about you? Not a thing. Uh-oh. I called the office again to Mr. White's house and newspaper club and his lawyer and every place else I could think of, but it's no so. Oh. Now, I'm really getting scared, Clark. Here it is, almost three hours since he was supposed to meet us, and then... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it easy, Lois. Did you call Inspector Henderson? Yes, of course. Right after you and Jim left. Uh-huh. He said he'd do what he can, but he hasn't called back yet. Well, he hasn't had much time. Now, look, Jim and I are going over to headquarters. What for? We're going to check on a hat drive at the Public Vehicle Bureau. Oh. I want you to call John Grayson, our well, publisher, and tell him the chief is missing. Yes. Tell him... I did. I've already called him. He's out of town. He is? Yes. Where did he go, do you know? No, the butler didn't know either, and Mrs. Grayson's out. She won't be back until about 11. That's odd. Grayson didn't say anything about leaving town when the chief and I saw him this morning. So what? Well, nothing, maybe. Maybe? What do you mean? No, I'd rather not talk about it yet. Now, look, Lois, you stay at the hotel, so we... Well, show him your press card and stay there. If anything turns up, call me at the Public Vehicle Bureau at Police Headquarters. Right. Have you got that? Yes, I have. But, Clark, I'm terribly worried. Well, frankly, so am I. I'll call you later. I never knew there were so many taxi drivers in Metropolis, Mr. Kent. But I've looked at a thousand photographs. Oh, hardly that many, Jim. I only showed you the ones whose description mentions red hair. Hmm. Now what? Well, we've gone through all the photographs in the police files. Well, we couldn't have. We haven't found the driver we're looking for yet. Either you missed him among these photographs. No, I or... didn't. I remember what he looked like. Well, then this is really beginning to look serious, Jim. What do you mean? I mean that apparently the man who drove Mr. White from the Boston building this evening was not a registered hack driver. But he must have been. He had a regular taxi. Not one of the big fleet cabs, but a privately owned one. Well, sure, but. It I... isn't hard to take a limousine and paint taxi and the rate charges on the doors. Huh? No, I guess it isn't. Why should anyone want to do that? Because it's an excellent way to avoid leaving a trail, that's why. Once the job is over, the paint is removed from the doors, and the driver, who isn't registered as a hacky, merely disappears. Jeepers. You think somebody waited for Mr. White in a phony cab and, and then took him away someplace? That's exactly what I think, Jim. But but who? I'm not sure. And why? Well, I'm not sure of it either, but I've got an idea. Yeah, what is it? Well, I think... Uh-oh, it's past 11 o'clock. I've got to be going. Where? Well, there's no time to explain now. Oh, I... there you go with that no-time-to-explain stuff again. Please, Jim, don't interrupt me. I want you to promise me something. What? I want your word that you'll go straight home in a taxi. A taxi I'll put you in, and that you'll stay home until you come to work tomorrow. But why can't I go with you? Because you can't, and that's that. You're in danger enough as it is. In danger? Me? Yes, you and Lois, too, and I'm not sure who else. That's why I'm making sure Lois doesn't leave the Metropolis Hotel until I call for her. But I don't get it. What danger are we in? Well, if I'm right, and I think I am, you're in great danger from the same people who caused Mr. White's disappearance. What? How about it, Jim? You're holding me up on something very important. Will you promise me to go right home and stay there? Well, if you put it that way... Attaboy. All right, come on now. We'll find a cab and send you home. And then just keep your fingers crossed that my little hunch will work out. Reluctantly and nervously, too, Jimmy Olsen of Company's Clark Kent from police headquarters. What hunch is Kent about to follow? 
Jimmy Olsen has just returned to his house. Calling out to his mother, who was in her room upstairs, that he will go to bed directly, the young reporter enters the kitchen for a glass of milk. He is opening the refrigerator when the telephone rings. Quickly, he goes into the dining room and answers. Hello? Is this James Olsen? Yes, who... Do you by any chance know Mr. Harry White? Do I? Well, I'll say I do. He's my boss and he's... Mi- Wait a minute. What about him? He gave me a message for you. He did? For me? For when? Where? Well, as a matter of fact, the message was first for Mr. Clark Kent and then for Miss Lois Lane and finally for you. Oh, well, they're out. What about this message? Where did you get it and what is it? Please, please. Don't be so impetuous. I've had a great deal of trouble about this message already. I've also lost at least two hours of sleep. Well, then, tell me what it is, will you, please? Well, it isn't something I can tell you. I, I must give it to you. What do you mean? Well, it's in a sealed envelope, and I never open other people's mail. If you wish it, you must come over here for it. Oh, yeah? Come where? To the newspaper club. The newspaper club? Exactly. I shall be in the library doing my best to keep awake. But hurry, please. Okay, but... But wait, what's your name? How'd you get... Hello? 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 Oh, God, he hung up. Jeepers, I don't get this. But he said he had a message from Mr. White, and he's at the newspaper club. I promised Mr. Kent I'd stay home, but... Ooh, there can't be any danger there. I'd better get over there right away. Despite his promise to Clark Kent not to leave his house, Jimmy Olsen grabs his hat and runs out. What will happen now? Who phones the boy reporter saying he had a message from Perry White? Can it be true? Tomorrow's episode is tense exciting, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet for exciting. The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, on surprises delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. The Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman.
Today, grave danger hovers over Jimmy Olsen as he leaves his home against Clark Kent's orders, hopeful of finding some clue to the mysterious disappearance of Editor Perry White. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Hey, don't look now, but are you missing something? Something slick in the breakfast line called a peach roundup? Well, if you are, it's high time you joined the stampede for this week's pep dish of the week. Yes, sir, it's peach roundup for you. Now, let me show you the ropes. You lay half a chilled peach in your breakfast dish, cover it with your regular serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and top with the other peach half, round side up. Say, will you be riding high when you tie up with this swell peach and pep team? Of course, it's Kellogg's Pep that makes this super dish what it is. Pep is crisp. Pep is tender. Why, those toasty flakes are so golden tasting, so all-out smacking, whacking good that, well, before you can say, yippee, you've made away with every last flake in your bowl. Sure. And just see if Pep doesn't make breakfast time, roundup time for the rest of your family, too. See if they don't polish off their dishes of Pep clean as a whistle. That's the hep thing to do, you know. Nobody wants to waste cereal, especially nowadays when the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. So remember, gang, eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When John Grayson, millionaire publisher of the Daily Planet, appointed a man named Homer Smith to act as his personal representative, Smith ordered Editor Perry White to withdraw the planet's support from the World Peace Federation and to attack it instead. But White defied Smith. And that evening, he disappeared. Saying he had a theory he wished to investigate, Clark Kent sent Jimmy Olsen home with strict orders to remain there. But shortly before midnight, the young reporter received a phone call from an unknown man who said he had a message for him from White and instructed him to come to the newspaper club. As we continue now, Jimmy has just left his house. It is a dark, moonless night, and the street is deserted. Jimmy hesitates a moment, remembering Kent's words. You're in great danger, Jim. I want you to promise me not to leave your house until morning. Oh, shucks. Nothing can happen to me at the newspaper club. I'll walk up to the boulevard and flag a cab. Hey, uh, wait one minute, kid. Huh? Who said that? Me. I said, don't move. Stay where you are. Terrified, his legs suddenly like rubber. Jimmy's tents rooted to the sidewalk, unable to move. As a huge, burly figure steps swiftly from the bushes and blooms upon him, the young reporter tries to shout, but his tongue cleaves to the roof of his mouth. Then he recognizes Boris Archenko, the brawny foreman in the Daily Planet printing room. Boris? Yeah, he's Boris. Oh, boy, did you give me a scare. I, I thought... Never mind, you thought. Why you do go out of house when Mr. Kent say you stay inside? Oh, did, did Mr. Kent send you to watch me? Yeah. He say, Boris, I think Jim may be in danger. You go see he don't leave house tonight. Also see nobody go in Jim house tonight. Well, I've got to go to the newspaper club. You can come along if you want to. No, you don't go no place. Oh. Mr. Kent, he say, you stay in your house. By golly, you stay in house. Now, look, Boris. Come, Boris, take you inside. No, wait, will you listen? There's somebody waiting for me at the newspaper club. He knows about Mr. White. If, what about Mr. White? Well, you know he disappeared, don't you? Yeah, Boris knows. He's very sad. Okay, so I got a phone call just now, and this man, whoever he is, said he's got a message for me from Mr. White. Hey, what kind of message? I don't know. Now, look, Boris, you're coming along, let go of my arm. I've got to get over to the club, and fast. No, no, Jim, you don't go there. Why? This business is smell very bad to Boris. He smell like funny trick. Uh-uh, I think it's on the level, Boris. You see, I thought it was a trick, too, until he told me to meet him at the newspaper club. 
But only big shot reporters and editors and correspondents and people like that belong to the club. So nothing can happen to me there. Now come on, come with me. We've got to hurry. This is the newspaper club library, Boris, where the man said he'd wait for me. Is nobody here? Huh. That's funny. Like I say before, this is smell bad, Jim. But why should he tell me to come all the way down here if he... Oh, wait, here comes a reporter. I'll ask him. Uh, excuse me. I'm Jim Olson of the Daily Planet. Uh, yes, sir, uh, Mr. Olson. I've seen you here with Mr. White and Mr. Gant. Oh, that's right. Well, listen, somebody was supposed to meet me tonight uh, here in the library. Do you recall anyone waiting here? Uh, no, sir. Uh, could you tell me who the gentleman is, Mr. Olson? Well, I don't know. He just called me up to say he had to see me about Mr. Uh, about something important and said he'd wait in the library. I see. I'm sorry, but I don't recall seeing anyone in here during the last hour. Oh. Oh, gosh. I don't understand this at all. Puzzled and uneasy, Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko stand in the library of the newspaper club, uncertain of what to do next. <coughs> Meanwhile, in John Grayson's fine home in a nearby suburb, Clark Kent is questioning Mrs. Grayson, wife of the Daily Planet publisher. So you don't know where your husband is, Mrs. Grayson? No, I don't, Mr. Kent. He packed a bag and left the house this morning, soon after you and Mr. White had been here. Didn't you ask him where he was going? Well, I... Yes? I... Look, Mrs. Grayson, I'm not merely being curious, you understand. Perry White has disappeared. And, well, it's just possible that Mr. Grayson might be able to help me trace him. I'm terribly shocked about Mr. White. But I really have no idea where my husband is, Mr. Kent. I... Well, I... I did ask him where he was going. What did he say? He said he didn't know. What? He said it depended on how certain affairs developed. Well, that's all he would tell me. That's I'm really quite worried, Mr. Kent. My husband never acted this way before. Well, he hasn't been at all like himself lately either. How do you mean? Well, he's always been so haughty, you know, and good-natured. But lately he's been so quiet and distraught. Why, he never even smiles anymore. I tried to talk to him about it several times, but he just snapped at me. It sounds as if there's something on his mind, doesn't it? I'm sure there is something worrying him, but he won't admit it. And once or twice... Yes? Well, I I had the distinct impression that he was terribly frightened of something. I'm sure he is. And John, I, well, he's never been afraid in his life. I can't understand it. I worry about it. Naturally, but I'm glad you've taken me into your confidence, Mrs. Grayson. Maybe I can help get to the bottom of this mystery. I do hope so. Tell me, do you know a man named Smith? Homer Smith? Well, yes. He's been here several times to see John. I believe he's some sort of business associate. Why do you ask? I'm a bit curious about him. Uh, wh what do you know about Mr. Smith? Well, very little, really. He had dinner with us once, a month or two ago, and he's dropped in several times since then. Usually in the evening, when he and John close themselves in the den to talk business, he... Oh. What is it? Oh, I, I, I know this seems silly, but it just occurred to me that John always seems especially disturbed after one of Mr. Smith's visits. Oh, that's very interesting. I happen to know where Mr. Smith lives, Mrs. Grayson. Well, let me see. He mentioned it once. Oh, yes, I remember. He lived at the Metropolis Hotel. Metropolis Hotel? I left lots there. I beg your pardon. Oh, uh, no, nothing, nothing. I, I, I've got to leave now, Mrs. Grayson. Uh, please don't worry about Mr. Grayson. I'm quite sure he's all right. Good night. Leaving the Grayson residence, Clark Kent steps behind a tall edge and swiftly resumes his true identity of Superman. Then... Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Leaping high into the night sky, Superman streaks back to the city and to the Metropolis Hotel, where the mysterious Mr. Homer Smith lives, and where Lois Lane is supposedly still waiting for Kent's return. Meanwhile, Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko, after fruitless questioning of clerks and page boys, have left the newspaper club and entered a taxi which was waiting at the curb. 
understand why this guy phoned me and said he had a message from Mr. White and then wasn't at the club. It doesn't add up, Boris. No. All I know is whole thing still smell bad, Jim. Very bad. Where to, gents? Oh, one, six, two, three, what? The driver, he asked where we go. A one, six, two, three, oh, west. Ahead, Boris. What did you say, driver? I said, where do you want to go? One, six, two, three, Western Avenue. Okay. Hey, what for? Boris, Boris, it's him. Him who? The taxi driver. He's the man who phoned me tonight. What? Yes, I'm sure of it. Now that I got a good look at it, I know he's the guy who drove Mr. White from the Balsam building when the chief disappeared. Boy, are we in a spot. His mouth dropping in shipped amazement. Boris Archenko looks from the excited Jimmy Olsen to the wiry, red-headed little driver at the wheel of their cab. After boarding the taxi cab, which was standing in front of the newspaper club, Jimmy Olsen gasped, then said excitedly to Boris Archenko, the Daily Planet printing room foreman, Boris, the guy who's driving this cab is the one who phoned me tonight. What? Yes, I'm sure of it. What's more, he's the one who drove Mr. White from the Balsam building when the chief disappeared. Are you sure, Jim? I'm positive. He's the same little red-headed guy. Uh-huh. What do we do, Boris? You know what it is. I fix him good. Say, what's he turning into this alley for? Leave him to me, Jim. I take care of this fella. You're not taking care of anybody, big boy. Look out, Boris. He's got a gun. Yeah, and it's loaded. So you did remember me as the driver of Mr. White's cab, eh, Olsen? Huh? What do you mean? I heard you just now. That's why I got you down to the newspaper club tonight, so I could pick you up in my cab and find out if you could identify me. Now, wait a minute. Well, you recognize me, all right, and that makes it too bad for you, Olsen, and for your big friend here. Step out of the car, please. This is the end of the line for you. Trapped in the back of the taxi, Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko gaze into a gun muzzle, leveled at them by the red-haired driver. And although they're scarcely one block from a busy street, in this deserted alley, the block might as well be a mile. There's no one to see or to hear what is going on. What will happen? What is behind this mysterious menace? which has thrown a millionaire publisher into deadly fear, has caused the disappearance of editor Perry White, and now threatens the lives of Jimmy Olsen and Boris Hutchenko. Tomorrow's episode is a thriller, gang, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Still on a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Jimmy Olsen and the giant Daily Planet foreman Boris Archenko have walked into a dangerous trap as Superman, unaware of their plight, continues his search for editor Perry White. 
Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, if you want breakfast to give you a cool start these summer days, latch on to Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. There's a breakfast treat that is a treat. Packed with catchy flavor, a keen sparkling sort of flavor that perks up your appetite like anything. I'll bet you never ate the likes of anything better. Pep is light and crisp, so tender it practically melts in your mouth. Why, Kellogg's Pep, topped with cool milk and sugar, tastes so terrific, it's worth a big, loud whistle. And then some. Only chances are you won't even have time to whistle because you'll be so busy digging into that bowl of Pep and finishing off every golden flake in your bowl. Mom likes that, you know, because Pep is good for you. Sure, gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. What's more, it's never a good idea to waste cereal. And nowadays, we're sending the cereal grains to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. So latch on to Pep, gang. When Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, remember to eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Homer Smith, newly appointed representative of John Grayson, publisher of the Daily Planet, demanded that editor Perry White stop supporting the World Peace Federation and attack it instead, White defied him. Then, a few hours later, the gray-haired editor mysteriously disappeared. Late that night, Jimmy Olsen, sent home by Clark Kent for safety's sake, received a phone call from an unknown man who said he had a message for him from White and asked the young reporter to meet him in the library of the newspaper club. But when Jimmy arrived there with Boris Archenko, the giant Daily Planet printing room foreman, the club library was deserted. Puzzled, Jimmy and Boris left the club and entered a waiting taxi, the driver of which turned out to be the man Jimmy had last seen with Perry White. Overhearing Jimmy's startled explanation to Boris, the driver swerved the cab into an alley and leveled a pistol at his two passengers. Listen. Oh, you did remember me, eh, Olsen? Why, I... That's what I... I wanted to find out. That's why I got you down to the newspaper club tonight. So, you called Jim on telephone tonight, huh? You th- you got message from Mr. White, huh? Sure he did, Boris. That's right, big boy. It's too bad for you that Olsen's got such a good memory. Get out of the cab now, both of you. This is the end of the line. Now, no, wait a minute. Listen, mister. You put away that gun with bad hands. Wait, I... relax. Here comes another car. Don't Maybe... get your hopes up, sonny boy. Those are my pals in that station wagon. What? Your pal? Yes. Leo? Yeah, Joe. Everything okay? Right, come and get him. Okay, Olsen, and you, big boy, get out of the cab. Good work, Joe. Look, Jim. Okay, I boys. take care of these guys. Nothing doing. I'm going to. You do like Boris, say. Nah, you're tough. Got it. Walk off my off. Okay. I'll beat your butt now. Well, Boris, you beat your butt. Look at that, old boy, Boris. Come on, you guys. Finish this big boy. In a hurry. We're making too much effort. Oh, you're not finished, Boris, in a hurry. Run, Jim. Run. Uh-oh. Hey, listen. That sounds like the cops. Slug them so fast. Let's get out of here. Straight, stupid. Boris, look out. Oh, that's it. Boris. Boris. That's going, Leo. Let's take care of the big guy. Boris. Quick, now grab off and dump them both in the station wagon and then scram. Fast. I'll block the alley with the cab. Okay, Joe. Come on, you guys. On a double. Picking up the unconscious Boris Archenko, the gang lift him into the station wagon, force Jimmy in, and leap up beside him as Joe, the big taxi driver, swings his cab around the block the narrow alley. Then he leaps from the cab into the station wagon, which roars away and disappears into the night. Meanwhile, Superman, believing that Jimmy is safe at home, has streaked from the suburban residence of John Grayson, the Planet Publisher, to the Metropolis Hotel, where he had left Lois Lane. Once more in his guise of Clark Kent, he enters the hotel lobby and breathes a sigh of relief as he sees the girl reporter nervously pacing the floor. Oh, oh thank 
Kevin, you're still here. Why? You told me to wait here, didn't you? Yes, but that isn't the point. Uh, I was yes, a... Did you find out anything about Mr. White? No. Neither have I. Just talked to Inspector Henderson, and he hasn't found out anything either. Look, wait a minute. Oh, Clark, what are we going to do? I'm Look, so worried. I could take just it easy, die. Take it easy. Take it easy. Do you realize that it's one o'clock in the morning and the chief has been missing since late yesterday afternoon? I know, but we've got to keep cool and use our heads. I got a theory about the chief's disappearance. Well, isn't that peachy? This is no time for theories. We've got to find it. Will you pull yourself together? I want you to have a cool head when we speak to Mr. Smith. Mr. Who? Homer Smith, our publisher's uh, representative. Oh, that's too... He lives right here in this hotel. That's why I was so worried about you. Worried about me? Yes. I don't get it. Listen, Will. My hunch is that Mr. Homer Smith knows a good deal about the chief's disappearance. What? He may even have something to do with it. Now, look, Claude, just because you dislike the man, there's no reason... Will you listen? Being a... Smith ordered all of us on the Daily Planet to attack the World Peace Federation, didn't he? He certainly did, but we stopped his clock when Mr. White showed him that clause in his contract, giving Mr. White the right to determine our editorial policy. Yes, and Smith didn't like that one little bit. Then he can lump it. He doesn't have to lump it if the chief disappears from the scene. Without Editor White's presence, no one can challenge his right to do what he wants on the planet. Now, do you see what I'm driving at? Yes, but... Clark, you're out of your mind. Do you think Mr. Grayson would make anyone his personal representative who was a, a, a criminal? Of course not, not if he had a choice. But Grayson couldn't help making Smith his personal representative. What do you mean? I told you Grayson is obviously living in mortal fear of something or someone. And I think that someone is Smith. Now, wait. I saw that fear in Grayson yesterday. And when I spoke to his wife tonight, she confirmed it. She said it started when Homer Smith began coming to their house a couple of months ago. But why? What's the connection between Smith and Grayson? Well, my hunch is that Smith has something on Grayson, and he's using it to get control of the Daily Planet so that he can fight the World Peace Federation. You're only guessing, Paul. Well, sure, I'm only guessing, but I think it's a good guess. For my money, the unassuming Mr. Smith is a resourceful and dangerous character. I believe he had something to do with Mr. White's disappearance, and unless we get the goods on him in a hurry, you and Jim, especially Jim, are in danger. Me? Jim? Why? Because Jim saw the driver of the taxi in which the chief was last seen. He can identify that driver. The logical assumption is that he told you and me about it. Good heavens, if you are right, Clark, but Jim, he might... Well, you know how impetuous he is. Don't worry about Jim tonight. He gave me his word he'd stay at home, and I posted Boris Archenko at his house to stand guard. Oh, that makes me feel a little better. But the chief, what are we... We're going to find the chief. Come on. Where are we going? We're going to call on Holmes Smith. We'll get his room number from the desk clerk. Come on this way. Don't waste time knocking, Lois. Smith isn't in his room. How do you know? He hasn't had time to answer yet. No, but he's not there, I tell you. You can see through the door, I suppose, like Superman. Yes. Oh, stop it, Park. This is no time for jokes. Dear, why doesn't he answer? Because he isn't there, I said. But it's after one o'clock in the morning. So what? Everybody seems to be missing tonight. The chief, John Grayson, now Homer Smith. Grayson, too? Oh, yes, I forgot to tell you. He packed a bag and left his house without telling anyone where he was going. He did? Uh-huh. My hunch is that he, Smith, and the chief are all together someplace. Which means bad news for the chief. Will you stop saying these terrible things? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was thinking out loud. Frankly, I'm worried, too. Plenty worried. Come on. Where to now? Police headquarters. There's something Inspector Henderson has to do, and fast. I think you're all wet about Smith and John Jason, Kent. So do I. Go on, Inspector. Now, listen. Uh... Uh, don't go into your song and dance again. But I don't... I'll have Smith investigated if it'll make you feel any better. Well, it will, but we can't wait for that. You've got to trace Smith and John Grayson tonight, right away. I'm certain that trail will lead to Perry White. Now, look, I've got the whole department hunting for Mr. White. We can't split up and start looking for everybody else under the sun just because you sell yourself a cockeyed idea. But it the isn't a cockeyed idea. I think it is. I know it is. Look, Grayson wouldn't sell out to anybody wanting to undermine the World Peace Federation. No, but... I know, Grayson. He's so big. Intelligent to do that. That's what uh, I've been telling Clark. Will you please both listen to me? I tell you, Grayson hasn't changed his convictions. He's scared half out of his wits. 
I believe it's Homer Smith. He's scared Simon. of him. That goes for me, too. Well, all David, the stubborn... That's my phone. All right. Anderson speaking. Oh, yes, Healy. You did? Where? Are you sure? Uh-huh. How about the driver? Oh, he did, huh? Okay, I'll be right out. Stay there. Well, folks, maybe we've got a lead at last. What do you mean, Inspector? A lead to Mr. White? Yeah. One of our patrol cars pulled into an alley behind a newspaper club to break up a fight. A newspaper club? Uh, and... The men got away, but they left a Packard cab. What? One of those driver-owned jobs. Hey, wait a minute. That was the kind of car Mr. White disappeared in. Yes. Right, Kent. Healy thinks it's the same car. Come on, we've got to get over there. Follow me. Followed by Clark Kent and Lois Lane, Inspector Henderson leads the way from his office to his car. Will they pick up the trail of Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko? As Clark Kent, Inspector Henderson, and Lois Lane hurry to the alley from which Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko had been taken in the station wagon, Jimmy and Boris, their arms and legs bound, are lying on the floor of a basement hideout a mile or two away. A dozen men playing cards at a nearby table pause in their play as one of their number, a hard-faced man named Leo, talks on the telephone. Joe, that kind of job costs more money. Besides... talking about us, boys. Hey, shut up, you. Stop talking with them ropes. It won't do you no good. Shut up, Nick. Okay. Go on, Joe. Five hundred extra? Well, I guess that'll be okay. Sure, sure, we'll take him right away. Okay. Yeah, yeah, relax. Check. Hold on. What'd he say, Leo? He says we rub out these two guys, but quick. What? Boris, did you hear that? Holy smokes, that's... Uh... Come on, let's get the jab over with and blow. Let me have your gun, Nick. Yeah. Okay, Olsen. And you too, big boy. Get set for the big sleep. His eyes wide with terror, his heart pounding, Jimmy Olsen watches the man call Nick take a revolver from a shoulder holster and hand it to Leo. Fearfully, his panic-stricken mind rejects the remote possibility of being saved now, even by Superman. Is there a chance? How can Superman pick up the trail of Jim and Boris in the scant seconds remaining before the cold-blooded gunman begins to perform his ordered job? It seems hopeless. But is it? Don't fail to listen to tomorrow's tense and exciting episode, which tells the story, fellows and girls. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-P-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Today, the strange disappearance of Editor Perry White has involved Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko in what is now a fight for their very lives. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. 
Say a house for blazing a new breakfast trail tomorrow morning with a peach roundup, a brand new super dish. It's this week's pet dish of the week, and it sure makes your appetite do nip-ups. Here's how you turn the trick. Place half a peach in your bowl, cover it with your regular serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and top with the other peach half, round side up. Add cool milk and sugar, and you've got your peach roundup. And you'll sure be riding high when you rope in that slick peach and pet combination. When you dig down through the fruit to those crisp, tender flakes of Kellogg's Pep, are you in clover? Why, Pep is always a treat. Comes through with smacking good, toasty flavor every time. So sunny-tasting, it makes you want to flash a grin right back at every luscious spoonful till your dish is clean, empty of every last flake. And you know, these days especially, that's definitely the right angle. Because nowadays, you see, the cereal grains are being sent to give their swell nourishment to fellows and girls overseas. So remember, eat up every bit of pep you pour into your dish. The right idea is eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. Deep mystery involving all our friends on the Daily Planet came to light when publisher John J. Grayson appointed Homer Smith, a nasty, smug little man, to function as his personal representative on the paper. Bad feeling came to a head immediately when Smith ordered editor Perry White to reverse the planet's policy and to launch a vicious campaign against the World Peace Federation. Backed up by Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jim Olsen, the editor refused, and a few hours later, he disappeared after Jim saw him get into a cab. That night... Jim, accompanied by Boris Archenko, giant foreman of the Planet Composing Room, was attacked and captured by the driver of the same cab that had spirited White away. As we continue now, Jim and Boris, bound hand and foot, are lying on the floor of a basement hideout, guarded by a group of tough-looking men. The leader of the gang, a man named Leo, approaches his prisoners, and as gun in hand, he makes ready to carry out his orders to destroy them. There is a knock at the door. See who's at the door, Nick. The rest of you guys over against the wall. This may be trouble for you, no? Sure. Nobody make a sound now. Okay, Nick, ask who it is. Maybe it's like the it. police, Boris. Well, yeah. Mr. Ken. Oh. Yeah. How do they know where we are? There was a loose yeah. Yeah. station yeah. wagon. Who's I squared ink from my thumb and ran through it. Who's hey, what are you doing? Be quiet. Says he's alone. Okay, let him in. Then lock the door again. For okay. Pete's sake, Boris, what, what are you doing? Almost I got ropes off. Hurry up, close that door again. Oh, holy smokes, what are you trying to do? Don't you know that? Now I show you. Careful, Boris. I want to finish this. No, thing. Boris is going to finish. Look out for you, the big guy. Look Like a man gone berserk, the giant Boris first smashes Leo to the floor with a chair. The gunman's shots go wildly into the walls. Then as the other men in the room leap toward him, Boris seizes one of them, hurls him at the others, and sends them all sprawling to their knees. Catching up the bound Jimmy, Boris leaps with him through an open door into a tiny bedroom and slams the door. In one minute, Jim, I untie you. Lock the door first. No key. I push this dresser against the door. Like this. That holds them out for a couple minutes. Boris, you're terrific. But what do we do now? First, I get ropes off you, Jim. Then we go out. We go out where, Boris? Through window. Okay, ropes off. Wait, through what window? Through... Ivan Ivanovich is a window. Oh, oh! The door's coming off the hinges. Look. And they got guns. This not look so good, Jim. You're not kidding. If only the police and their radio car had seen the ink trail, I. But I guess they didn't know they'd have been here by now. How they ink on street at night? Cheapers! Oh, I never thought of that. They couldn't see it. Look, Boris. The door's off the hinges now. They, they'll tip over the dresser in a minute. We're through. <laughs> 
desperately, Jimmy Olsen and Boris Archenko, continuing their futile effort to hold the dresser and unhinged door in the path of the seven gunmen, feel themselves slowly forced back into the tiny windowless room, which has become a death trap. Meanwhile, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson, having dropped Lois Lane at her apartment, are in the alley behind the newspaper club, where Sergeant Heath shows them a large limousine with the word taxi painted on the doors. Take a look, Inspector. That's the camp. There's no taxi meter in this car. No cab registration card. No hacky card. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a phony cab, all right. And it answers the description of the one Mr. White was abducted in yesterday. That's what I thought as soon as I saw it. What's the story here, Healy? Well, Radio Car 18 was cruising on Main Street when they heard a big fight in the alley. Uh-huh. They turned in and the mugs heard him coming. One of them swung this phony cab around and blocked the alley. Uh-huh. And they all scrammed out the other. It was the first street in the station wagon. Did they get the license number of the station wagon? Nah, they couldn't see on the big jalopy. Did they get a look at any of the men, Healy? Not clear. All they know, one of them was a big guy with a voice like a lion. Had an accent, they said. A big guy with an accent? Uh-huh. He was yelling at somebody named Jim or Jim. Great Scott, that must have been Boris and Jim. Huh? Uh, I'm afraid Jim Olsen and Boris Archenko are in trouble, Inspector. Jim Olsen? Who's Boris Archenko? Boris is the Daily Planet printing room foreman. I told him to watch Jim Olsen's house tonight. I knew Jim was in danger because he saw the driver of this phony taxi, the one who abducted Perry White yesterday. Oh, but, uh... Hey, wait, where are you going, Kent? Just looking around. Jim may have dropped a... Uh-oh. Hey, look at this. What is it, Kent? Ink stains. Green ink. Ink? Oh, the blazers. Can you see ink in this flashlight, way? Healy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, Ken, I don't see how you can see Here, it. Well, I, I just caught a trick gleam of light or something. What do you want? Get right here at my feet, Healy. Yeah. There. See? George, it is green ink. Sure is. All right, now move your light further down in the same direction, Healy. Mm-hmm. No, 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 this way. Oh. This way. Oh. Follow me. I guess. That's right. Come on, come on, keep them. Mm-hmm. Come on. There, look. More green ink stains. What's it mean? It means that Jim Olsen was here and that he was smart enough to leave a trail for us to follow. How'd you figure that out, Ken? I know Jim always uses green ink in his fountain pen. I'm sure Jim and Boris were here, it so... It up to me, Inspector. Great Jupiter. Ink stains on a dirty pavement and at night. It'd be mighty hard to follow. We'll manage it. Healy, tell the boys in the prowl car to follow these tracks and we'll follow them. Yes, sir, but how? Well, one of them will have to ride the bumper with a flashlight and direct the driver. I get it. Hey, Kamarski, Jenny. Yeah. The inspector's got a real job for you. Well, I'll see you later, Inspector. Hey, wait, aren't you going with us? No, I, I don't be, only be in the oh, way. Oh, nonsense. Besides, I want to check up on Lois. All right, Inspector. Coming. Okay. Suit yourself, Kent. Following that ink trail is a job for Superman. Into this doorway and off with his clothes. My hunch is that Jim and Boris need me now. All right. There we are. All set. Now... Taking to the skyways, Superman streaks away to follow the faint trail of ink left by Jimmy Olsen. Will it lead all the way to the hideout? Will the Man of Steel arrive in time? As Superman is following the faint trail of ink left by Jimmy Olsen, the cub reporter and Boris Archenko are facing death in the tiny windowless bedroom of the gang's basement hideout. Seven tough men, led by the man named Leo, have finally succeeded in crashing through the door and overturning the dresser which had been blocking it. Now Leo stands in the doorway, gun in hand. Facing Jimmy and the giant Boris. I told you once you couldn't get away, so now you're going to get it. No, wait. The big palooka crowned me with that chair, so he gets it first. So long, big boy. Hey, wait, wait. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Keep you out of it. Shadow play, Superman. Look out for it. Please, please. 
party all over, too bad. You all right, Jim? Yeah, thanks to you, Superman. If you'd showed up just one second later, though, it would have been too bad. A sure thing. Uh, no more fighting these fellas. Uh, look this one, Leo. Look, he tried to stand up. Keep that wild man away from me. Let him alone, Boris. I want him to talk. All right, tough guy, talk. Where's Perry White? I never heard of no Perry White. Don't lie. I ain't lying honest. Uh, we just worked for Joe Barton. Who's Joe Barton? Well, he's the guy who drove away with Mr. White in that phony cab yesterday. Well, he's the one I want. Where is he? All right, you talk and talk fast. Where's Joe Barton? In the Miller Hotel on Morton Street. But don't tell him I tipped you off. He'll kill me. Maybe the state will save him that job. Hey, listen. Sirens. Good. Must be Inspector Henderson following your green ink trail, Jim. That was pretty clever of you. Hey, Jim is smart boy, Superman. Oh, cut it out. Horace, you turn these chaps over to Henderson while Jim and I hop across town to the Miller Hotel and pick up Jim Barton, okay? Okay. Ready, Jim? Am I? And how? Well, let's go. Leaving Forrest to turn the gunman over to Inspector Henderson, Superman catches up Jimmy and streaks away to the Morton Hotel. Will they find Joe Barton? Will he lead them to Perry White? Where is the gray-haired editor? And is Superman correct in believing that a gigantic plot against the World Peace Federation is in progress? Tomorrow's episode is packed with excitement, thrills, and mystery, gang. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>